You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Welcome indeed to this edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. I am Chris McPherson, joined alongside, as always, by Alex Smith. And Alex, what I tell you? I felt good about Sunday. You did. You had a feeling, C-Mac. I'm pretty optimistic. The Eagles would knock off the previously unbeaten Minnesota Vikings, and it came to fruition. So I hope that we can just roll the good feeling, the momentum, into the Sunday night showdown oh. with the Dallas Cowboys. How sweet would that be? Hey, first place is on the line. Sure is. It's going to be a great environment. A lot of talk about national games. Some of the matchups haven't been as great as some people expected, but you get Eagles-Cowboys for first place in the division at Jerry World, and it's just going to be all eyes on that game, and I think it's going to be an outstanding game. It's going to be phenomenal. So good interview to have for this week on the podcast. We have cornerback Nolan Carroll, and the defensive backs are going to be in the spotlight for a number of reasons. One, the Eagles lost Ron Brooks to a season-ending quad injury, Mm -hmm. so what's going to be the domino effect of that? Because overall, the defensive backs have struggled to stay healthy throughout the course of the season. Leo's McKelvin finally came back into the starting lineup for the win over the Vikings, and fortunately, he's healthy. But Ron Brooks was your starting slot corner, worked on the outside as well. So definitely, that's going to be a key injury there. And the Cowboys are getting Des Bryant back. Correct. And even before that, even without Des Bryant in the slot, Cole Beasley is someone who has given the Eagles fits over the right. years. So that's going to be a big matchup right off the top. Yeah, so how do they match up with Cole Beasley? Do they go with Malcolm Jenkins, covering him one-on-one, which I think they did a little bit in the games last year, and Beasley gave him a little bit of a tough time. So we'll see how Jim Schwartz tries to find the right matchups there. But I'm looking forward to it. Again, it's a different defense than it's been in years past. A lot of swagger on this defense. So I'm pumped for Sunday night. So great interview here. Come up with Nolan Carroll. An amazing family background where both of his parents were in the military, and that kind of was reflected in his upbringing. He's been able to carry that over and been very successful, not just on the field, but off the field as well. So we got into what that upbringing was like for him and the impact that that had on him. And a little bit later, we're going to talk to his mother, Jennifer, who had a very decorated military career and just the approach that she took coming from the military background and government background that she had to raising her three children. Here is our interview with Nolan Carroll. It's really more about his upbringing and the impact that his family has had on him and continues to have on him to this day. So here's our interview on the Eagles Insider Podcast with cornerback Nolan Carroll. So Nolan, welcome to the podcast. And here on this show, we like to get into a player's background, sort of the story of where they came from. So would you mind opening up by starting with what your childhood was like in Jacksonville, Florida? I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. Then I moved 15 minutes outside of Jacksonville to a small town called Green Coast Springs, Florida. Both of my parents were in the military. My mom, she did 20 years in the Navy. My dad did 20, I want to say 25, 26 years in the Air Force. My mom was a lieutenant commander. My dad retired as a senior master sergeant in the Air Force. You know, So they, they were up there in rank. They put a lot of years in, and they also were able to discipline me almost the same way they were disciplined in the military. And I think that really helped me develop as a young kid as far as knowing how to make the right decisions, knowing how to be on time, knowing when to do my job, just things in school, being on top of your school homework. And then that translated to playing sports, working hard, and giving it your all, and, and being a team player. I've always been that type of person, always been you know, about the team, being about putting friends, family first, and doing everything you can for them to really make the group successful. No, what's really interesting about the fact that not only do you come from a military family, but usually when you hear someone was from a military family, 
they moved around a lot as a kid. Fortunately, you were able to stay right in that Jacksonville area your entire life. Yeah, I was very fortunate because my parents were kind of on the later years when they served. So I think I moved maybe one or two times, but it was still in the area of Green Coast Springs. A lot of other people, they go from Maine to Arizona, from Arizona to Alaska, Alaska to Texas, Texas to North Dakota. You know, I didn't have to do that. My parents also did all their traveling early. My dad, he went from being stationed in New Mexico to Maine, and then from Maine to Hawaii, and then from Hawaii came to Jacksonville. My mom, hers was, I think it was Hawaii first, then it was New Mexico, and I think it was California. Might have been Texas next. And then ended up in Jacksonville. But they both met in Hawaii, which was interesting. That's where they both met. They got married and they ended up getting a house in New Mexico, stayed in New Mexico for a little bit. That's another thing, too. For some reason, everybody thinks I'm from New Mexico. Like, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I, I remember seeing. What's the connect? I was going to say, there's I, nothing. I, I have no idea. I just remember <laughs> just seeing on a, a bio one time, it said Nolan Carroll, and it said from Rio Rancho, New Mexico. And I'm just, my parents live, but I never lived there. But some, I don't know why people. <laughs> have you ever been there? I've been there before. My grandparents, they still, my godparents, sorry, they still live out there. But, no, I've never lived out there before in my life. So I don't know where somebody came up with that or made it up. But, no, that's where they lived for a little bit. And then they ended up drifting back towards the East Coast. Do you think you had a real appreciation for what your parents did with their careers in the military as a kid? Or is that something that kind of comes along later where you look back and you kind of appreciate all that they've done? I think that comes later in life. When you're a little kid, you're not really focused on what your parents are doing. You just know that they're out working. Sometimes they might have to take you to work. I remember my mom sometimes had to take me to work and I didn't want to go. I'm like, man, I don't want to go and just sit down and watch you work at a desk or boss people around. Yeah, pretty much. And I was just like, man, but no, just looking back at it now and, and just looking at the people that my mom's interacted with, even my dad that's interacted with in the service throughout the years that they run into and come back to them. Those people thank them and appreciate them for the stuff that they were able to teach them because my parents were people that they always wanted to try and help somebody else first. You know, they always put somebody else over themselves if they thought they needed help or needed guidance. And, you know, they did that for me and my brother and sister, and they've done that for people that they barely even knew. And those people have come back and thanked them for that because that really changed their lives because a lot of people, I guess at the time, didn't have guidance coming into the military. A lot of them were younger teenagers. My parents were already probably almost in their 30s at that point. So they had been through the majority of it. So when those people come back and I was a teenager and I was able to see certain people that my parents got to interact with and see the appreciation that they have for them, that really, for me, it just showed the capacity of what they were able to accomplish throughout their years in the military, what they were able to do with some of the people that they interacted with. Now, Nolan, you are the oldest sibling, correct? Yes, I am. So did you have to set the example, set the bar for the rest of your siblings? Because I'm the oldest of three, and it's like if the oldest one makes that okay, the other two can kind of skate by, and life's a little bit easier. So were your parents the hardest on you? I believe they were because just looking at it throughout the years, there were certain things that I couldn't do that my brother and sister could do, whether it was stay up a little bit late or eat a, another dessert or whatever it might be or getting their homework done at a certain time. I was the one my parents were strict on the most. And I always thought, I'm like, man, why are they so hard on me? But then my brother and sister get this leeway. When I'm grounded, I get grounded for like two weeks. My brother and sister get grounded for like two days if they did something wrong. So I'm just like, man, no, why is it me? But I understand now why they did it because, you know, I was the one that I don't want to say cherish the most, but I was the one that, <laughs> that's the one that you put in the most work because you don't really yeah, know right. what's going on as your first child. You're still learning. So 
certain things throughout the process. They trial and error through me when I was growing up and just seeing my everyday life and seeing how I was able to grow and the certain situations that I was put into and the certain decisions that I made was because they were able to guide me and show me what was right from wrong. And then, you know, ultimately my brother and sister, they saw that same thing too. When they saw me making the right decisions or sometimes make the wrong decisions, they knew that, hey, this is wrong and this is right just for me. There's only so many things that your parents can teach you. But if you see your friend or you see your brother and sister, older brother and sister kind of set the way, that helps them and shows them what they're supposed to do. So did you ever consider a career in the military? Not at all. That never even like crossed my mind. And my parents told me too, they was like, they don't want me doing this. They told me this is the choice that they made at the time. You know, my, my mom, she was an immigrant from Trinidad and Tobago. So when she came over, she just felt like she just wanted to go in the military. And my dad, at first he went to college, Tuskegee at first, and then you know, he ran out of money and he's from Miami. So the last thing he wanted to do was go back home to Miami. And so his last resort was to go in the military because basically they pay for your school, they pay for whatever you want to do. So that's what his outlet was. But for me, they wanted me to pick something else, and, you know, I was fine with that. So growing up in Jacksonville, how old were you when the Eagles played in the Super Bowl back in 2005? It was my senior in high school, so I was, I want to say 17, I want to think. So what was it like when Jacksonville was taken over for the bowl? It was definitely an experience because Jacksonville, even though it's large in its mass, there's not a lot of people in the city. It's not like a Philadelphia, there's more people in Philly than there is Jacksonville. But to have that experience of the Super Bowl coming in, it was just a bunch of people everywhere. They had cruise ships come in for people to stay there as a quote-unquote hotel because they didn't have enough hotels yeah. in the city. <laughs> there was just a bunch of things that were going on. There was events every night. I just remember going out and, and about, you know, around in, in Jacksonville and just seeing the amount of people that was just everywhere. It was a big event, and I never really understood how big an event the Super Bowl was. And now I was lucky enough to be in the halftime show when Paul McCartney was in it. And you were in the halftime show. I was show. in the halftime show, yeah. I got to <laughs> wave the little wand in the light in, in the halftime show. That's all that was my only job in it. So but it was cool just to be down in the field and be on the grass and look up and around and see how many people were in that stadium because I've been in a couple of Jaguar games and it was never filled like that ever. So to be there and to see that. And I didn't get to catch the game until the very end, but you know, just see that and experience it was one of those feelings that I was just like, man, wow, this is how it really is in the National Football League as far as the Super Bowl on the biggest stage where everybody's watching. Did your family record the game for you to see if they could see you during the halftime show? <laughs> no, they didn't record. I don't think they would have because it was pitch black and the only thing that could light up was these little key lights that they gave us. And we had to, I guess, hold it up and like wave it like actual lighters and stuff. But no, I think the whole stadium had it as well. And just kind of looking up, I could see everybody else with lights as well. So that was cool. But no, nah, my parents weren't going to be able to see me at night, though. I still have the seat cushions and all that stuff that they gave out in the wow, stands from, cool. from that game. So I wish the ending was a little different. I was so. rooting for the Eagles, too. I didn't, I didn't like the the Patriots back then, man. <laughs> really? Like, I, I really, really Even back, back then? Back then, I was just like, man, hope the Eagles win, man. I really, I, like, <laughs> even though I wasn't a fan of the Eagles at the time, I wanted them to win and beat the Patriots. I think outside of Boston, most people were pulling for the Eagles in that Super yeah. Bowl. Just because yeah. the Eagles hadn't won one, and it was, they didn't want the Patriots to win, what was it, three in a row or three out of four, whatever mm -hmm. it was. I think a lot of people were pulling for the Eagles in that game. So did it ever dawn on you? Did you ever think back to that when you did sign with the Eagles? You're like, you know what, maybe it was a sign of things to come when you're down on, the, what was it, Altel Stadium at the time? Yeah, it was Altel. That's yeah. right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I didn't even think about it until maybe a couple of years after I had signed. You know, I was like, I was in the same stadium as this team, you know, at the time. It's one of those things that's cool. It just comes back full circle. You don't really realize stuff like that until you go through certain experiences and then you're able to look back and, and reflect on both situations that you've been in.
everything that your family has done for you, do you feel like you have to pay it forward almost, so to speak, where it's like your family, your parents set this high level of expectations for yourself, but also gave you a great set of role models as well. Do you feel, I don't want to say pressure, but you know, do you feel you have to almost live up to that standard and continue it on? I feel like I do, but I don't put any pressure on myself to do it. It's one of those things where it now it's become natural for me to try and become a role model and, and try and help somebody else. It's not something that I go out my way to do so everybody else can see me do it. I genuinely want to do it. I want to help somebody else out because we've all been in somebody else's shoes at some point in time, whether it's when we were a teenager, or a young kid, a college kid, or a rookie in the league, whatever it might be. Certain people are going to go through similar situations that you've gone through. And just remember looking back, my dad teaching me certain experiences when I was growing up through my life. I'm going to end up having to do the same thing with my son. And my dad did it because he genuinely cared about me. He wanted the best for me. And I feel like that's the same thing with me when I'm trying to help somebody else. I'm doing it because I want to see them become a better person, whatever it might be. Football, whether it's me talking to it might be Jalen Mills or, or CJ, whoever it might be, or just be off the field, just talking to a friend, you know, just giving them advice and trying to help them and guide them and give support, whatever it might be. And I just feel like I want to do that just to know that, hey, when they look back and say, oh, this person, he, he was there for me when I needed it. I don't want any accolades for anything. I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking for awards or any of that. I just feel like for me, it's best to help somebody that needs help. So how old's your son? He's uh, two now, but he looks like he's four. <laughs> He's big, man, but... <laughs> he's off the charts when he, he goes to the pediatrician's oh, office. They're just like... <laughs> he was, uh, he's two right now, and he wears a size 11C in children's shoes. And <laughs> 11C is like for three, yeah. four-year-olds, so it's crazy how big he's gotten. What's your favorite part about being a dad? I think my favorite part is just the everyday process of seeing your kid, and every day something is different with him, whether he learns a new word or he acts a certain way. Kids are goofy at this age, so they do a bunch of goofy stuff where they just, I, I don't know, they picked it up from somewhere. You don't know where they picked right. it up because they're <laughs> constantly just all over the place looking for things to get into and just reaction of what they do, whether it be they're you know, running around in circles and then they just fall on their stomach or whatever it might be. Some stupid, silly stuff like that. <laughs> or when they're watching TV and you ask them a question. I remember my son, you know, I asked him if he was watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And I kind of was pointing to all the characters and I didn't expect him to say all the characters back to me. And, and that shocked me because he's never done it before. But, you know, one day I'm like, who is this? He's like Mickey. I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> like, who is that? He's like Pluto. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And then next day is you have a full conversation with him, even though sometimes you can pick certain words that you understand. But you you know what he's trying to say. For me, that's one of the things that I enjoy is every single day. You see this person that really went from just crying all the time and you're looking at him you're like, what do I do here? What do you want to? Now you wake up in the morning and you have a conversation. Oh, what do you want to eat? He'll tell me what he wants to eat. Or what do you feel like doing today? He'll tell me what he wants to do. And those are the things that you know, I enjoy about the process of being a dad. Well, Nolan, I know you have meetings and stuff to get to, so we greatly appreciate the time. No There's problem. a lot of other stuff we would have loved to get into, so we'll have to bring you back for another episode <laughs> That's down cool. the line. That's so cool. uh, Nolan Carroll joining us here this week on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Just hearing him talk about his family, just how proud he is of his family and the fact that he still maintains those close bonds to his day, you just see how important it is to have that support system in place. And it's kind of funny for me growing up, Nolan's family was very similar to my family and the families I was around growing up very similar to Nolan's family. So it's been much different interacting and meeting the players over the years where you hear the stories of adversity and hearing what they had to go through and not having a father, not having a mother, this and the other. It's like that was so foreign to me 
growing up right. because I can't think of where I would be today without the impact my parents had on me. Right. It's hard to put yourself into these players' shoes when you don't know what they've been through. But my favorite thing about our interview with Nolan is when I asked him about his son and his face just lit up. Mm -hmm. And I know you can't see it on the podcast, but he just started beaming, smiling, and he probably could have talked for hours about being a dad and raising his son. And that goes back to his upbringing with his family, with his mom and dad, and how that's translated into him as a father now. And I thought that was something that was really neat to see. So now we're going to welcome in Nolan's mother, Jennifer, a tremendous role model, phenomenal parent, obviously did a great job of raising Nolan and his two siblings. And I actually spoke to Nolan in the locker room a day or two after we did the interview. And I was like, his upbringing is just so much similar to mine, just from, I can recall like my parents like hounding me on little things, make sure you're doing your homework and make sure you're doing this and make sure you're doing oh, that. Yeah. And oh, yeah. that's exactly how Nolan's parents were and are still to this day. So a different perspective of Nolan to share some stories and what it was like to be around Nolan growing up and what it's like watching Nolan become the person who he is today. Let's welcome in Nolan Carroll's mother, Jennifer. Jennifer, let's start with this. What are some of your fondest memories of Nolan as a child growing up? Nolan, he's always been an energetic young boy. And so my fondest memories of him is how engaging he was in doing things getting into trouble, like either getting into things that he shouldn't be in because he was so inquisitive about it, and then trying to negotiate his way out of the trouble he got into, although he, particularly when he was younger, he wasn't able to speak very well. So he'll go on this rant, and (laughs) (laughs) he's on a soapbox, you're talking, and he's reasoning with you, and you go, I have no idea what you're saying, but in your mind, you must be coming across pretty clear with your argument as to why you shouldn't get into trouble. But he was a very engaging young little boy, and then he was very helpful with his siblings. He has a brother and a sister, and he's the eldest of the two, by his sister two years and by his brother seven years. So he was very involved with them coming home and really being up in their face as a brother and wanted to help change a diaper and wanted to help feed them. And sometimes he was a bit too helpful. And you just kind of mentioned a little bit of what he was like as an older brother. And and I know from having a younger brother that, you know, there can always be those little spats, little fights that they get into. Was Nolan one of those kids? Did he kind of get into it with his brother and sister? No, as a matter of fact, Nolan and his brother and sister are very, very close, so close that they covered for each other. His younger brother would get him and his sister in trouble because he would get into things more so than the other two. And they would cover for him, cover in a way they wouldn't lie on him, but they wouldn't fess up that the little brother did the wrong. So there was an incident one time where his little brother fell backwards and broke a glass, a window at the house. And his brother and sister would not say what happened. So they all got in trouble since no one is going to fess up as to who broke the glass. And they would not tell on their little brother at all. So that's the type of relationship that they have. They're very close and they watch out for each other and support each other 100%. Jennifer, both you and your husband, who is also named Nolan, had very successful, highly decorated military careers. How did the military influence help guide you as parents when raising Nolan and his two siblings? Well, beyond that, both my husband and I come from a Caribbean background, and Caribbean families are very strict and demand respect, and we come from a very Christian background as well. So coupled with our military-structured background in respect and chain of command and doing what you're told and following orders, 
it just fell in line with how we raised our children to be good community stewards, to respect your elders, to follow the orders that you're given, and to also give back. And in raising them from the time they were two, Nolan started out before his sister was able to, but he started out at two years old with a chore board, and he had to take out his trash, he had to clean up his room. It was no expectation that they will dirty up and not help the family to clean up. So each night, as each one of them turned two years old, and they were looking forward to their brother when he came into the mix, that when he turned two, he was going to be helping out as well. So this chore board followed them along the way, and then even during summertime, there was no going out and hanging out with friends. We did things as a family, went on vacation as a family, and during the summertime when they're off of school, I would go to the scholastic stores and purchase books for them to do homework during summertime. They would long to go back to school because they figured summertime was no fun being at home because they still had to do homework. So there was math and reading and writing that they had to do, even though we went on our summer vacations or they were home. So they couldn't wait to go back to school because it was just too much at home. But that's the structure that we wanted to give our children that for the community services that I did, I took them along with me so they'll see that it's important that as you acquire and achieve things that you give back. And I'm glad to see Nolan now in starting up his foundation, the Nolan Carroll Foundation, that he has given back to the community in which he came from to mentor young men who would like to get into the sports world and share with them some of the adversities and the things that they need to be advised of how to conduct themselves, how to train themselves, and what's to be expected, and as well as scholarships he's given to his high school classmates that have graduated after him and giving back to the community that way. So I am appreciative that the lessons that we taught him of respect and following the rules of helping and giving others back is something that he's taken to heart as an adult. How proud are you of him because you set such a great example for him that it's a lot to live up to when you have parents who are very successful and they're laying out these guidelines of how they want you to live. How proud are you, Jennifer, of seeing the man, the father, the person who Nolan has become today? Well, I'm extremely proud of him. And what I'm most proud of him with is that he has remained humbled in all that he's achieved he still remained humbled. You would not think in just meeting Nolan that he is an NFL player. He's just an average person. When you meet him, he's unassuming, and he conducts himself that way. And I think it's very important for people that have reached high ranks and high heights that they do not look down on others, that they are humbled in what they have been able to achieve and show respect to others as well along the way. And he stayed just very calmly like that. The one thing that I wish he wouldn't do on himself more is he's his own worst critic. I would think he has a fantastic game. Yeah, the ref may call a stupid penalty on him or something, but he's covered well. He's done excellent. And then he comes out of the game and goes, I didn't do well enough. He's always striving for perfection. And in the job that he has, he's totally dedicated to it. And his good enough is never good enough for him. He's always striving to be better. I wish that he would take the opportunity to really enjoy the moment for what he is doing in a job that he loves to do, in a sport that he absolutely loves and cherish, and is something that many American boys would love to be in his shoes. And I told him before he knows that he'll blink and this moment will be over with, and he wouldn't have had a chance to really sit back and enjoy the time that he spent working in this industry. 
So I really hope one day he wakes up and realizes, just have fun in it. Yes, it's a work. Yes, you're committed. Yes, you're dedicated. Yes, you want to be great all the time, but you cannot because you are a man. You're not God. You're going to fall. You're going to have some fallacies along the way, but learn from it, move on, and enjoy the moment of a skill and a, and a job that you're doing that many wish that they can participate in. I know that sometimes moms or parents can be the biggest critics for their children. So I, I know he can be critical on himself, but do you still critique him here or there, or do you kind of stay out of his way? Oh, no. I critique him. <laughs> if he, <laughs> he doesn't like to hear it, but he knows that where it's coming from is coming from the heart, right. and it's all about to make him better. So if he has a good game, I would tell him that. If he messes up somewhere along the way, I would share that with him as well. When he does interviews, I would listen to his interviews, and I'll critique him there. If he did a great job, I'll tell him that too. I think as a parent, it's my role to be honest with him. And so other people that may be fawning all over him and, and love him dearly and may not overlook those mistakes that he makes along the way may not correct him in it. But that is my job to make sure that I am the unbiased one to really give him a good assessment as to where he's on track on the right way or where he's not may not be on track on the right way. So this way he can be a better person. He can be a better player. He can be a better leader. And it's all about self-improvement along the way when you have someone that's honest to give you that assessment. Jennifer, did you feel like you had to take that role when he was in high school and he was being recruited by all of these colleges simply because, like you said, all these people on the outside are fawning over him and could be building up his ego that he needs someone close to him, a confidence, someone he can trust to kind of bring him down to earth a little bit. Well, Nolan was never off the earth. And one good thing that Nolan has done is to keep his father and I engaged and involved in the major decisions in his life that he's made. And he would always confer with us and even the scouts as they were coming through. The first order, he says, you have to talk to my parents. You have to talk to my mom. Even now, as people come and try to get him to invest in things and make a decision on something, and if it's major, he's going to say, talk to my mom, because he knows we have his best interests at heart, and he still values our opinion. We don't want to tell him what to do, but we share with him, we've checked things out, and, and it's the route that we think you ought to go, but it's all up to you at the end of the day. But he still regards and respects the input from us and what we think is the best thing for him to do. But along the way, particularly when he was being recruited for college, and oftentimes for many, particularly black boys, this is their only way to get college paid for or only way that they're seeing themselves to have an opportunity to have money in the future. And with the scouts as they were coming through, I'm glad that he had me as part of the process because they would offer things that were unethical. And they would want to entice with various things that they would tell him that they will offer. And I will stop them in their tracks and say, listen, because he already had his college paid for. So they weren't giving him anything he didn't already have from his mother and his father. Our thing was to make sure that he was going to be successful with his academics because at the end of the day, football is only a finite period of time. And after that, he's going to need the knowledge base of his education to propel him to other industries that he may be interested in, whether it's business or corporate America. But he needs to have at least the basis of his education. And that was important to us when he went through college. So when they came and sat at our kitchen table and offering us X, Y, and Z that we could provide to our son, I said, what else do you have to make sure he's going to be successful academically? And many of them fell short. 
And that's where Maryland really rose to the top to be the cream of the crop with Coach Frazier, giving his stern commitment to us that academics was his number one priority for all of his football players. I want to go back for a second to the importance of family, because a lot of times with NFL players, they're on the road for X number of weeks throughout the season. How important is the role of family to Nolan to this day in keeping touch with you and his brother and sisters as well? We are in touch all the time, whether we're texting, emailing, or phone, and that's with his siblings as well as his father and I. And it could be just day-to-day things that's going on to get his input for something, to get his input for, let's say, his website. His website is up, nolanacarroll.com, and the product on his website or content for his website, we're discussing that, or how was your day, or here's a prayer. This is something to uplift you. And or did you see this joke or (laughs) is always some communication that he has going on with his family and being alone. He's in Philadelphia and constant barrage of, of always working and studying the plays and getting ready for the next game and getting his body ready. It wears on a person because you're constantly engaged and involved in your day to day things that you have to do. The stresses of the job will get to you. And I think with him having to connect with his family the way how closely tied we are, that it gives him a little reprieve, a little breather to see, okay, life isn't all of this stress that I'm under. I do have a reprieve in talking to my family and having a little fun with them, having a little joke with them, and also be able to communicate with someone that I can trust, that if I'm having a bad day, I know I can talk to my mom and dad, and it's not going to go anywhere besides with them. They're going to uplift me in prayer. They're going to uplift me in in my spirits. They're going to reflect on things that I've forgotten about, that I can pull from my inner strength. So I think that he values that, and we appreciate that, that he still includes us in those sort of discussions and thoughts that he may be having and trust us to open up like that. Jennifer, you are an impressive woman, an amazing role model and mother, and we greatly appreciate you taking the time out to join us. We could probably do a whole show with you, quite honestly, <laughs> and maybe we, maybe we will in, in the near future. So Jennifer Carroll, the mother of Nolan Carroll, thank you very much for joining us here on the Eagles well, Insider Podcast. Thank you for podcast. having me. Have a great day. I think that's going to do it for us here. So get ready for Dallas. Beat Dallas. Beat Dallas. Hashtag beat Dallas. Indeed. So have a good time. In I, will. I will. I will. That's going to do it for this edition of the Eagles Entire Podcast. Again, if you haven't already subscribed, please do so, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume podcasts. If you would love to leave a comment or a rating, we would greatly appreciate it. You know, you could tweet us and let us know if you have a certain guest you want to hear or questions you want to have answered down the line. We definitely will consider and take any feedback. So for Alex Smith, Ricky Shoe Behind the Glass, I'm Chris McPherson. You've been listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast.